Hello everybody and welcome to Galactic Yo-Yo, the podcast where Doctor Who fans share their unpopular opinions with the world. And I have to do with them. I'm your host Molly Marsh and I am just logging off for the day from my work from home office job. Um, do I want to save? Yes, always. Do I want to lose a day's work? Um, great. Yes, yeah, sorry this podcast is coming to you um, on a Tuesday rather than a Monday. I just had some stuff going on and was not in a place to um, to be editing a podcast um, yesterday. But it's finished now. And I'm going to put it out tonight. So thank you for being patient, everybody. Um, and I'm sure most people have not even noticed anyway. Um, but I am going to try and stick to Mondays um, uh, as much as as much as humanly possible. This week's guest is the fantastic Nicole um, from the Black Tardis blog. Um, I spoke to Nicole quite a few weeks ago now. I've been um, I've been backlogging podcasts, um, so it, it does feel like ages ago. But I had a fantastic conversation with her um, about Doctor Who's Britishness and whether Doctor Who needs to remain so Britain focused or whether um, it can be a more be a more global show and and kind of reflect the uh, the planet earth in its wholeness rather than rather than just this tiny island um, that is but a speck on planet earth so that was a really interesting discussion before that though we had a really long chat about uh, the reasons that they started um, their blog we we had a chat about um, race in current Doctor Who and um, new Who of old and classic Who as well. So that was really interesting. We talked about how Nicole got into the show as well, um, as usual. It was a really great chat, and I implore you to check out Nicole's blog. We we did try and record the conversation um, once before, a few days a few days earlier, um, but the connection was so dreadful that it didn't work out. So we do we do make a couple of references. Um, to that during the um, during the the call, if uh, if you were wondering what that was all about. Um, but I'm sure you're fed up of hearing me um, waffle on now. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Nicole from Black Tardis. Seems that I'm some kind of a galactic yo. I guess I guess I'll I'll start. Um, this is the podcast now, by the way. <laughs> I guess I'll start by asking you what I asked you last time we had a go at doing this, which is, um, how did the blog begin, and what made you want to start um, Black Tardis, the blog that you run? Yeah. Um. So the blog began because um, when I first got into the show, which was um, I believe like right after the sixth season of New Who aired. Um, so sort of twenty. There just wasn't twenty twelve ish. Yeah, yeah. twenty twelve. Um, and there wasn't a lot of uh, like there were a lot of fans online, but I didn't really find a lot of uh people who 
thought kind of similarly about things as I did. Sure. Um, so, of course, there's, like, Martha Jones, and, like, I'm looking online, like, oh, let me see what, you know, people think. Like, I love Martha. She's my favorite. And then it was kind of the exact opposite when I looked at And at that time, that was, like, when Tumblr was really, really in, there, like, the mm-hmm. height of, you know, like, it was really central to fan community. So, I was on Tumblr. I saw, like, no positive kind of interpretations of her, and I thought it was really, really weird. Um, and it was extra weird because so many of the visuals Things I saw about the show before I watched it, like the gif sets and all the videos, a lot of them were of Martha. Like so it was, I, it was like a jarring kind of yeah. Like people like Martha conceptually were not actually like her character or her story mm-hmm. at all. Mm-hmm. So it was more so me just wanting to talk about like Martha and then like even Mickey and just other characters that I felt like you know the fandom were kind of ignoring or not being fair to. Um, and so it was pretty much built from that. Um, and it was started like with a friend and we both were just. We would just kind of combat the negative um, things we would see about like Martha and Mickey, and that's where it just pretty much branched off from that. So, what, did you identify? This might be a naive question, but you, did you identify that there was a racial element to maybe people's dis, dismissal of characters like Martha and Mickey immediately, or was that something that you came to realize over time? Oh no, it was immediate, um, and it was primarily because of the kind of excuses people would use which are like oh i don't like martha because she fell in love with the doctor and it's like well you know that's rose's entire Mm -hmm. storyline but somehow it was not a problem when it was rose or even because again i caught up i had watched all of that in like five days so i had seen you know martha i saw donna i saw i got all the way up to amy and i'm like literally every companion other than martha and donna like other companions have had these reactions to the doctor but only martha's is like worth people constantly having like that's the one reason you hate her so much despite like, everything she does in her season so yeah i definitely saw that as uh having a racial element to it um and even with like mickey it's like you know we have like of course mickey is kind of a mess in the beginning right like that's a part of his arc is that he starts off kind of just like goofy and then for he sure. actually like steps up right but it's like he gets no credit for stepping up like now I, it's much more but like yeah at the time it was yeah it was jarring Definitely. I had a conversation with um, a writer called Samantha Harden about Mickey. Um, and mm-hmm. she kind of had an interesting take about the way in which he steps up and how that kind of plays into his race. Because there's something about him, and I don't know whether you'd agree, but there's something about him conforming to a stereotype when he steps up that he doesn't when he's when he's in series one. Maybe you disagree. Um, I don't know. Because the thing is that I know for me, I read a lot into it as a black American, right? Like we have Mm -hmm. certain stereotypes that I don't know are exactly the same. I know that obviously racism is universal, but I know that like there are certain elements of like, um, like in the season one, I felt like having Mickey (laughs) be um, like Jackie accusing Mickey. That to me felt very much like a racialized thing. Like if Mickey was a white character, I don't know that they would say, oh, we thought you killed Rose, you know? For sure. We know partner violence is a thing regardless, but it just felt very heavily like influenced by the fact that that was a black character. So yeah. for me, it's hard to know exactly what is my American reading of it. Definitely. And what is um, the racial read of it. And those are two different approaches. So, yeah, but I can see that. I can yeah. see how that interpretation makes sense. I think there's something about, I mean, I, I don't want to necessarily... Um, go over the same conversation I had last time, but it'd be interesting to hear if you had any insight. But I think there's something about 
the I don't know what the production history is in terms of Mickey's character, but I do wonder whether the character was written with a black actor in mind or whether the or whether Russell just conceived as that of that character and then ended up casting Noel Clark and that's when mm. the character became I would black. Think do you know that... what I mean? Yeah, that, I would that's kind of that my theory. It was maybe colorblind. Yeah, I, I, based on just the treatment of characters overall, like in the show, I kind of feel like they attempt to write things colorblind and like with a default, and then they cast who they like. Now, whether or not they take that casting into consideration is a different yeah. conversation. But, yeah, because um, this, this is what I was talking about a little bit with with um, Talia Franks um, on the podcast mm-hmm. we did a couple of weeks ago. Is that casting colorblind is all very well and good but then you end up in these situations where you're not necessarily i don't know you're not necessarily sending the best messages with the characters that you've ended up casting as black actors you know um right yeah it, yeah yeah i've written about that i wrote about that when they for cast, sure yeah um, i read it on your blog uh yeah it's like when they cast why am i like on the name uh lenny franks oh, oh lenny henry franks. that's how you name. lenny yeah i'm like what is happening right now <laughs> But yeah, I had the same thought. I was like, oh, I really love, like, this character's cool. It's like a tech billionaire. You don't think of a black guy, right? But then mm. they have him do so many things that play into a stereotype that it then, like, well, we get a little bit of representation, but at what cost? Yeah, I'd much rather sure. have that character be white once you, their story plays out because then that, it doesn't have the same connotations as it does if that's a white man versus a black man. And so I felt like I appreciated that they cast a black person. And I also know that they, recognize they cast a black person because it was a part of that character's identity being black is a part of his identity that they acknowledge um by saying like he was one of the only in his like college and going through you know yeah in his computer you know his classes so that's they me are aware like that he's a, a flavor dialogue yeah. added later yeah so that's why i'm saying they yeah. once they cast me like we can add things that make him that you know kind of give him a little more like his identity like his blackness is a part of the character but the problem is if you write the story with certain beats in mind mm-hmm. and you cast that way you can't really change those but those are fundamental yeah, like the way to, he treats yeah. his mom that's an For entirely sure. like you character have to write, informed story write, like, i was talking about this the other day. <laughs> like story yeah yeah and yeah. so you have if you're going to cast then you have to think about well what do we have on the paper and what fits this and if we if we cast the black person if we cast the asian person how does that then change this part of the story because it does like how people perceive it will be changed by who is playing it definitely my friend sarah said something the other day that really struck me and i'd never really thought about it before and i might just be talking out of my ass but she suggested that it might be the case that um the Doctor Who, the guest stars that appear in Doctor Who each season, for example, people like Lenny Henry, Stephen Fry, um, I'm trying to think who else was in Series 12. Um, I don't know. So the other people that were in Series 12 that are these high-profile actors. She was suggesting that the there might just be a list of guest stars to include, and then the characters sort of get, <clears throat> pardon me, get assigned by Andy Pry and the rest of the casting team later down the line and that's how you end up with these bizarre um and kind of uncomfortable casting choices you know what that would make sense to me because i i definitely see it as the story exists and then they put somebody in the story that's how it feels into consideration yeah they don't take into consideration how that actor would shape the story and so yeah having a list of people like oh we want to include these people they've already said they want to be involved and then going from that list 
that makes sense to me because then you're like, does Stephen Fry, like, would somebody like that convincingly play a tech billionaire? Maybe not, you know? So then they have to yeah. think of who's the best for that character without thinking about how that character acts and how they behave Absolutely. and how that and will change. Yeah, Lenny Henry, I don't know how famous Lenny Henry is in the US, but Lenny Henry's a massive name over here. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's kind of like, oh, Lenny Henry's interested in being in Doctor Who. Now we've got to give him something from the season. I, I, this might not be the case. They might have written it for him, but I, it didn't feel that way to me. Right. Yeah, I can see that being the case. How do you, uh, this is a question I ask a lot of bloggers, but how do you decide what to cover on the blog? Do you kind of go into a season of Doctor Who or go into a, um, or go in with something in mind or do you sort of just write what you feel? Um, so I'm a bit of a chaos monster. I'm very chaotic. I have, I always have ideas of what I want to do or talk about. And then it's like, I'll watch the episode. Like I'll just throw on an episode to watch. And then I'm like, well, I have thoughts about this now. And so I kind of just go with what, um, yeah. like what affects me and what, what I feel like drawn to talk about. Um, and like I tweet more than I blog mainly because it does happen organically. And I mean, like, Oh, I just want to watch some episodes and then it'll turn into a thread versus like a blog where you have to like kind of sit down and like, think about what you want to say um so yeah for me it's just like i watch the show i actually am a fan of the show like i watch the show i put it on it's like one of my comfort shows so it's like oh let me throw on these you know these episodes and then it's a lot of times when you're watching it in that way something new strikes you like wow i never thought about this piece of dialogue or wow i never thought about this and mm. so then you think about it how it <laughs> like there are, there are episodes i've watched like 10 times and then like the one time you watch it like where you're kind of passively watching it or it's in the background something stands out that you something didn't sticks out like, to you yeah so it's like me i'm more reactionary it's like i'm watching it to watch it i'm not watching it to get content and then i'm like oh i want to talk about this and then sometimes i will continue to watch it or like then people will like oh watch this and tell me what you think mm. and because i'm already watching it well like i'll like oh okay i'll keep watching these and then we'll talk about it but yeah for me it's more reaction and like just organically like tweeting or writing what i'm responding to versus like looking for something to write even though they're like classical and stuff i want to get into more and i plan to be a little more diligent about recording that and like sure. because i feel like there's so many like i would say fun fun is a word interesting <laughs> things about classic who yeah that, like i just feel like yeah. i think racially contentious things of, for sure <laughs> uh, you know taking yeah like people have talked about it but it's like we're all coming from a different lens and i feel like not a lot of i do actually have some followers who are like black women and like yeah they're like oh i think these episodes will be fun for you i think these will be bad let me know what you think and i like that because we kind of have we were coming from a similar place where like certain things are just not going to be fun for us where it might be like other people are not going to be concerned about so i like having people to kind of say hey you might not this might not be an episode you like or like oh that episode has black face or yellow face or definitely you know? so at least i'm prepared for it so this is that's why i like it yeah again this is kind of touching on the territory i went over with with tell you in a way but there must be a sense that sometimes with the Doctor Who fan community being so overwhelmingly white, some of the recommendations they make to you and other black fans are not necessarily made with with you and 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 your kind of perspective in mind. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I've been lucky that people who find my account and who interact with me kind of have an understanding of what things what trigger yeah. me or would make me feel upset or like that i would find interesting or funny so like i've a lot of times when people have given me recommendations they'll say like they'll have qualifiers or like they have things to tell me that i can then make a choice about as opposed to the like, oh, this is my favorite one sometimes i'll say like drop your favorite 
don't give me an explanation just drop it and even then yeah, somebody yeah. will still be like okay it's my favorite but there is like it's problematic <laughs> and i'm like thank yeah. you for you know like giving me a heads up because that's i mean i'm watching something that was made in the 60s and like the uk i i, I have a, a healthy expectation for that sure things are not going to <laughs> be like you know like you know, perfectly normal and fine. Like I know there are going to be things that are going to be shocking for me, and I'm like, wow, y'all really <laughs> y'all are doing that. But you know, I know that. So there's a, a certain amount of like I was being prepared for. But then there are things that people are like I don't think like this is even worse than what even would have been considered like normal. Yeah, even definitely. At the time. So definitely. yeah. So I like having people. A lot of people who find me tend to have the sense about things to say. You know, maybe not that episode or like here's context so you can watch it like comfortably or know where to like i've had people offer to like give me time stamps or where things happen just so i can watch the episode but not have to watch something like <laughs> yeah. particularly damaging you know well also so, it's, yeah, it, i find often with anything that triggers us that there's a it's it's often a question of it's not just a question of should i watch this it's a question of if i do watch it when should i watch it do you know what i mean like you, you're not always yeah. in the mood to watch stuff that has elements that trouble you Whereas sometimes you're right. you're in a better place to to deal with that shit. Um, I I find anyway. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, that's absolutely true. Because sometimes I can watch, like people are like, "Why are you like this?" Like I can watch some things all the time that affect people a lot, but I'll mm. just be watching it like very casually. Like I just, but I I'm in a mood where like things are not touching me. If that makes sense. Like I am watching it, but I am unaffected by it. And then sometimes I'm like extremely empathic with the characters and it's like mm. i cannot watch them be uncomfortable it just it's one of those things like my mood shifts and they're turning like i love martha season and i can watch it but i also have a healthy detachment from it because i know that it is upsetting if that makes sense like i can Definitely. watch it and then also be mad about it at the same time but there are times when i'm like i cannot i can't do this i can't watch it <laughs> so I'll, I'll throw in like i'll go to donna and like that's what i'll do because it's upsetting at the end, but for the most part, it's like a season that it, doesn't. Yeah, it's a different <laughs> like, headspace. I think, yeah. yeah, I think you raise an interesting point. I think it's interesting that, especially from a racial point of view, classic Who and early new Who and even uh, present day new Who, definitely, are racially problematic, in my mind, in, in different mm-hmm. ways. Like classic Who, yeah. it's like they're specifically egregious stereotypes and blackface and whatever mm-hmm. else it's like deliberately egre- egregious or at least um yeah it's like specifically bad whereas in yeah. um new who it's like this early noughties new labor neoliberal um color blindness that's causing the problems it's like two yeah. two different kinds of racism right and i think for people who are on the receiving end of it the type that feels more harmful to the outside onlooker is not necessary. Like, is it easier up, to be detached from the kind yeah, of old yeah, school racism? Yeah, like I grow up, racism? I'm used to like, racism in a straight up, like being called the N-word kind of way. That is actually yeah, comfortable yeah, yeah. racism, if that makes sense. Because I know what that is. It has a very clear look. It has a very clear feel. Sure. It's what I think the insidious racism, where it's like they're not thinking about how this is hurtful. That mm-hmm. to me is worse because a lot of times it's done, I will give them the benefit of the doubt that a lot of times that that is an accidental thing. That's just you not having, like, you have unchecked bias. You don't have black friends. You don't have people in the room saying, oh, this is not how we would do this. Or this is very, you know, bad. It's a bad look, right? Like, you have to have people around you that can pull you back from that. And I think that's a lot of that is just not having the experience. And therefore, if you're not hiring those writers to come in and say, like, this is an authentic experience. Yeah then you need to listen to the people who are telling you, like, this is not a good look. And the problem is that they 
they listen, they hear like the base thing, like, oh, we want more representation into them that a physical thing. Like, oh, it's a brown person on the screen, it's a black yeah, person on the screen. It's very surface level. Right. Whereas I'm like, no, I really want this character to behave in a way that feels authentic to me. And I want this character to have a lived experience on a show that feels authentic to me. I don't need them to be perfect. I don't need them to be like, and I think that's kind of what the newer uh, show has had a problem with. It's like, yeah, we have black people, we have brown people, but then it's like, now they can't be angry. They can't have negative emotions because they don't want to, oh, they don't want to be a stereotype. But like, yeah, mm. now you're making them not human though. You're dehumanizing them by making them not have real true reactions to things and real emotions. And that's still a type of, especially when it's assigned to characters of color, <laughs> like that's still an aggression. That's a microaggression. Mm-hmm. When you like have, <laughs> like Ryan gets mad and he like throws the bike and that is the most emotion we really get to see from him in terms of like a negative emotion. Like when he's otherwise upset, it's like, oh, I'm, I'm mad. But like he kind of pulls back because they don't want him to be the angry black man. But the yeah, yeah, opposite yeah. is also bad, which is that he has no, he's not forceful in any way. And he doesn't like put up boundaries and stuff because he's just like, I don't want to be angry. And so it's one of those things. Like, <laughs> again, it's probably done from, I think it comes from a good place. I think you want to be good, but you also are not listening to people or don't make a point to put people around who can guide you. You think like, okay, well, I know that this is a bad stereotype. I want to avoid this stereotype. But the problem with stereotypes is that, like, they they have a function, right? Like, we all believe in stereotypes to a point. So you can't just avoid a stereotype. You have to kind of, you have to engage with the stereotype in a way. So, like, yeah, you don't want an angry black man or angry, angry black woman because those are bad stereotypes. But you want to make that a nuanced take. You don't want to just make it where they never get angry because then it's like, yeah, who is sure. in this situation and doesn't get angry? Like, or doesn't get frustrated, especially, like, as many times they've been, like, like the doctors left and like Yash gets to be a little bit angry, but it's still really kind of couched in like a certain level of concern and like softness. And I'm like, no, I yeah. mean like you can be angry. That's a fine emotion, but you have to be willing to engage with it. So to me, that kind of insidious, like, oh, we're, we're, you know, we're, we have representation, but you're not really allowing these characters to be like real human beings to me is equally as bad as you just having them be walking stereotype. Like there are, there are two sides of the same point to me. Yeah, insidiousness is definitely the definitely the word. I think that can definitely feel worse. That insidious kind of discrimination is is sometimes the worst kind. Yeah. Um, you mentioned earlier this is kind of cycling back in the conversation somewhat, but you mentioned that sometimes you can be watching an episode kind of in the background and you'll notice something and it'll trigger um a kind of an idea to to write about it. Could you give me kind of an example of when that might have happened? I'm kind of interested in that process. Oh, yeah. I'm trying to think of something recently. Um, I will say, like, well, this is not even... This wasn't recent, but it it, it isn't exactly kind of what happened. Whereas I just threw on a Classic Who story because I was like, I'm going to watch Classic Who. I'm going to do it for real. And so I put on... Um, I'm so horrible with names. It's the war... Something with war. I don't know. It's the first doctor. It's like the first oh, um, time. The war machines? Maybe. I think so. But like, so they're on, they come, they're back at, they're back on earth. Yeah. This is the and war like, machines you're describing. Okay. Yeah. So they're back on earth. And then like, they're getting caught up on like, what happened? You know, it's like apocalyptic. And they're like, oh, what happened? Yeah. And someone's explaining what happened. And the character says something to the effect of like, they took out Africa, Asia, and South America. Now that's just a them are just places, right? But in my I, my first thought was like, wait, like I literally had to pause. I had to pause. So I was like, Africa, Asia, and South America are like the 
black or brown. Like they're the not the non-white. It, yeah. Like they literally only kept the white um, countries and continents. And I'm like, how do you like the Earth is not split up that way? So you would have had to make an active choice as an alien to like take out Africa <laughs> and then leave. You know what I mean? Like take out Africa, especially and Asia, especially Europe, South America. They're going okay. We're going to like, stop at Mexico, make sense, right? So it was and- one of those. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Like, it, 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 you're like, going. We're going to stop. Like, we're going to stop at Turkey. Like, we're <laughs> going to do half of Turkey, and then the rest of it, we we can we'll yeah. we'll we'll leave. Yeah. No, I think that's so definitely like, a, that an is insidious. A thing where they wrote it. Yeah. <laughs> they wrote it and did not even consider how it doesn't make sense. Well, I think they did consider it. Like, they, they considered that. Oh well, we want to imply that some devastation has been caused, but we don't want to uh, imply that it's happened to anywhere important. So we'll we'll make it happen to all of the places that we consider unimportant and outside of people's right. concerns, right? That's exactly what's going on there. Yeah, right. And stuff like that. So it'll be like a comment that is, for the most part, not really important. And then it's like, wait, if you if you read into this, there's like the, the implications are very upsetting. <laughs> and like I think I tweeted that I was like, y'all, this is what they said. Like this is wild. And somebody uh-huh. else was like, okay. Like, I never noticed they even listed those places. They just, like, watched the episode. Like, that didn't stand out to them. But that was the first thing, like, I, my first memory of the episode was just, like, what? Like, they, well, they took out who? Yeah, I found now that, like, as I've got older and I've kind of um, educated myself more and kind of become more invested in, um, you know, re- reading about stuff, Doctor Who that I watched as a kid, I'm noticing that stuff, like... In um, the first ever Doctor Who episode, An Unearthly Child, when Ian and Barbara enter the TARDIS, the Doctor, um, mm-hmm. the Doctor is kind of trying to explain. Um, he's trying to reason with them and explain that their reaction is disproportionate, right? That their shocked reaction is right. disproportionate, and he compares them to um, the the Red Indians. Is the phrase he use, uses. Um, kind of uh, experiencing the Western world for the first time and experiencing the American invaders, um, or I guess European invaders. Um, and it's just like, it's a piece of dialogue that just entirely went over my head as a kid. And now as an adult, it's like, it's so upsetting to hear the doctor say that in the first five minutes that he's been on screen. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's yeah. in the first ever episode of Doctor Who, which is tough. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the the first few, like the first Doctor, I actually, I grew to really like the first Doctor, but when I first started watching classic, yeah. I was like, this is, oh my goodness, <laughs> like it was just non-stop to me. I was just like, he is sexist, he is like, and like all the things that they brought to modern Doctor in terms of how he looks at humans, kind of like little babies that have like no damn yeah, sense, yeah, yeah, like yeah. have to be guided, is that, but like without the empathy, like without the care and love for humans so it's like Definitely. y'all are stupid i hate y'all like he's trying to leave them in all kind of places he's like i do not care like i if you don't make it to the target by the time we leave you left and it's like <laughs> such a like you wouldn't let the doctor treat people that way <laughs> in a modern series yeah and say the things that the first doctor was saying so it's like it's weird because i obviously like have to remember like this was several decades ago so like yeah it's gonna be that way but it's also felt like even at the time i'm like this had to this had to also feel weird at the time. Like, I, it's hard to know because I don't know people who were, like, growing up. Like, I know people who say they grew up with it, but I'm like, they were kids. I don't know any, like, adult person who was watching it. <laughs> like, it at that it's time, really like, hard oh, to know, is isn't it? Great. 
But when you think right, that so I was like... <laughs> one of the most popular shows on British British television was the black and white minstrel show well into the 1970s and early 1980s. Right. That's like, I mean, it's obviously dreadful, but it's, it also casts some light on, on what the kind of entertainment landscape was like in the UK at that time, I guess. Yeah, though it's just one of those things where it's like, it's it's jarring because it feels like it even feels to me watching it. Obviously, like this would have been a thing even at the time, but I'm like, I should know better than that. <laughs> like actually, but it's still always like, wow. But yeah, even like the sexism is like it's it's insane and like just things that he says, which they kind of touched on when they you know brought him um, in for the special. But it it's like every word out of his mouth is like completely disrespectful to somebody in that room like <laughs> either the women if he's a human like he just nobody was left unscathed and i thought that was so wild but <laughs> like i'm able to give it like a healthy detachment again because it's like several decades old and like i can just charge it to being is not if it was a different time you know like that's yeah, one of those you times can watch when it as an works. artifact of its era right right um what about when you originally got into Doctor Who then? You mentioned that you started watching the show around kind of the end of series six and you sort of caught mm-hmm. up with it all um, around then. But but what what drew you into Doctor Who originally? Um, so again, I was on Tumblr a lot. So at the time, uh, there's just a lot of like fan art and fan like GIF sets and things like that that were always like on my timeline. I guess I just followed mm-hmm. a lot of fans. So I was just like, I, it looked, you know, you see, I mean, a, a GIF or a, like a, it's like a moment in time. It's like a video, right? But it's like no context. And you know, like you watch the show, so you know, like things out of context. Are like what is happening on this show? So for me, it was like, what are they doing? Like, how did, what is this? This doesn't matter. What is this yeah. head floating in a jar? What is, like, what are these things? So for <laughs> me, it was that. It was just like, what is this? And then separately, um, I think um, Torchwood was being promoted um right or have been promoted to, you know yes, the american this is when they did the american co-production right miracle day, so isn't it? Yeah. i had already i was like oh that looked good and i had figured out i'm like oh this is based on this is the, like not the first season of this so I, I was looking for torchwood first actually so let me find out like where i can watch torchwood before i watch the one that's you know on like showtime or wherever it was then i'm like okay torchwood that looks cool that looks like a show i would like and then because i like am who i am i was like oh wait torchwood is also a spinoff of something then I was like, oh, it's Doctor Who. And then I was like, well, that's the show I've been looking at that I also said I wanted to watch. So having figured out the, like where things line up timeline-wise, I said, well, I obviously have to do the Doctor Who show first because I want to like have context for Torchwood. And so that's what – it literally kind of went backwards from Torchwood. But it was – I don't know. It kind of happened at the same time. So, yeah, I just was like, I really wanted to watch Torchwood. And then I figured out what Doctor Who was from Torchwood. And I like put that together with all the stuff I was seeing on Tumblr. I was like, yeah, this looks like a show I would love. Um, and so I just went in and like, it was on Netflix at the time. It was not in HD. It was like a really hilarious thing to watch, like in not HD. It was very, I was like, this came out in what year? Like I was like, Googling, like this feels like, cause I knew it was, I knew that it was also a classic version. But I was like, did I actually like, what is, I don't know. Um, and yeah, so I just like ended up, like I literally watched the first like six seasons in like five days. Like it was wow, really that's crazy. I pulled these receipts on. I pulled these receipts on Twitter somewhere. Like I think I have the screenshots of me like saying, "Oh, starting this show," and like a couple, like a few little tweets here and there, and then like, "Oh my god, that was great!" And like somebody was like, "These timestamps are wild because you literally watched that in, like five days." 
Um, that must have been really weird. To I mean, I I've had this conversation with loads of people who've kind of binged the first <laughs> six or seven seasons, but it must have been really weird to go because the show changes so much from right. series one to series six. It must have been odd in a period of days to to have seen the change from Eccleston to to Smith and Eccleston to Tennant to Smith and all, all of the kind of the whole the show changes its entire vibe over that six year period. Must have been odd. Yeah, see, the thing, and it also what's funny about it is that I saw mostly tenant gifs and, like, fan art. So I didn't even know who, I was like, what is this? This is not the show that I, you know, like, yeah. was, who is this man, right? So, like, it was, I really came into it knowing nothing because I made a point not to, like, Google specifics. But I didn't realize what the, like, the actual format was or what, like, how the doctor worked. I wasn't sure if it was, like, a type. I, I didn't know that much. I made a point not to look into it. So, I love like, that. I was like, who is this? But I love not knowing who it was and not like tenant not being my first because then I was like, I didn't have that, no expectations at that point. So I was like, what well, the person I expected to see like be introduced to was not who it was. Yeah. So it was actually interesting to me. And I really, and that's why nine is my doctor. Cause I was like, it was genuinely surprising and shocking. Like to like, everything, all the like fan art was very heavily like aimed at like tenant and Rose and, and Martha got in there a lot too, like I said, which is so wild because people did not like her at the time. Like, so yeah, I was. It was interesting to me. Like, I, I re- it's what made me. Cause, you know, when he does that first generation, mm. I think when I was watching it, that was the same. Like, I started and got to that point in the same kind of day, in the same session, I guess. Like, so that happened yeah. really fast in terms of my experience of watching the show. And then I'm like, what? And so. That's why I had to keep watching. Like, okay, they changed the whole man's like whole face and body, like, a different <laughs> person. So like, it kept yeah. me like that. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then of course you want to know like, man, how did this... at that point? Because I was silly. I was a silly Billy. I was like, yes. Like, how how is this relationship with Rose gonna like work now that there's a different person? Like, <laughs> well, he's was like with, was she was really just like he's younger that. and sexier now. So it, it's all systems go right. It was one of those things where I was like, yeah, okay, how are they going to vibe together now? Like, how Jackie goes? Because Jackie is like, you know, like, you know, Jackie is Jackie. So I was just like, I was so invested in, like, the relationship and, like, how his changing visage would, like, <laughs> This isn't a question I've asked before, but how did you feel about um, sort of going through those first se- uh, six seasons of Doctor Who? How did you feel about the show's depiction of the USA? I mean, the thing is, like, I, I have this, like, I know, like, this is the thing, like, we know, if people who act like they don't know, like, what people think of the U.S. are just playing, like, they're being dense, like, we know what people think about the U.S., so, like, any type of depiction of the U.S. that has leans into a certain stereotype, I'm like, that's valid, like, it's not, we're, that's not all the U.S. is, right, like, obviously, I live here, but I also know that this is a fair, <laughs> a fair assessment and like recreation of what they think the u.s is like so it's one of those things where like of course if you have time to spend i would love you to like spend more time and be more nuanced about places you're landing in but like otherwise i'm like it's fine we know like people know what people think of the u.s we all have like we talk like we talk about the u.s that way like (laughs) it's like a very like yo samity sam kind of like character or like a very like southern specific idea and like we all live here and have not actually we don't interact with that type of person every day but like we still assign that <laughs> identity to like america so yeah it's one of those things where like i thought it was just funny and like um 
Like y'all, it's fine. Like this is, <laughs> and it is also the world of Doctor Who where like things are kind of it don't make sense anyway, right? Like it doesn't have to be. You don't have to be spot on about certain things, and I feel like that's one of those where like, of course, this is perfectly fine. Like this is, yep, this is America. This is the U.S. That's well, it's not. It's not until it. season six that they actually go to the U.S. Because in obviously they visit it. Yeah. You know, uh, they pretend to visit it in series one, but in Dalek when it's supposed to be underneath Utah. Um, <laughs> and then they go again in series four. Uh, they go to yeah, like Man- uh, series three. With, sorry, um, they go to Manhattan. Well, but it's just Cardiff, right? Yeah, I was like, technically, <laughs> I forget about that completely all the time because it's wild. Um, but yeah, like when they actually have like the FBI and all that, that's when I'm like, okay, well, yeah, this makes sense to me as a British depiction of America because mm-hmm. also America, we do this with ourselves. Like a lot of our shows are leaning very into like that <laughs> kind of stereotypical spy or like government agent and yeah. like i don't know it just yeah it, it really honestly was, i just thought it was funny i'm like yeah this this is nothing was particularly jarring to me because i was like this is exactly what i would <laughs> do or think if i didn't live in america based on like american media and stuff so, well also you you yeah. guys kind of have your own understanding of britishness that isn't necessarily wholly representative oh, yeah. of britain like it, I don't know, it was interesting to me, because I was on Tumblr in that era as well, but a lot of the American <laughs> fans on Tumblr seemed fixated on Doctor Who's Britishness. With, with And, like, for me, like, being British, that was kind of confusing. So it's just like, well, it's not, it's not really a defining feature of the show to me, but elsewhere in the world, the Doctor was looked to as this kind of quintessentially British figure. Um, right. And I think the Matt Smith Doctor played into that a little bit. Yeah, like, watching it... Um, I think that was around the time I just started watching more UK TV. So I was also watching like, but it was more contemporary, like skins and stuff like that. I wasn't watching anything. Um, but that made me feel like I kind of understood the culture better. Cause like, obviously those shows center on like teens and like young people and like their lived experience in their everyday lives. So I'm like, oh, okay. Some of those stereotypes feel very like, I feel like I know a little better now than to expect certain behavior, <laughs> you know, but, um, yeah, like, to me, the Doctor feels extremely British, like, right. like, it just, it does, which is kind of to my later point. <laughs> um, yeah, the Doctor just feels very British to me. It feels very, like, which is fine. As an American audience member watching it, it makes me feel like I learned something about, <laughs> like, the British by watching it. However, the Doctor really should not be representative of, like, he shouldn't feel British. He really shouldn't feel local right well do you do you pick up on at all and this is going to be a great segue into your unpopular opinion but do you pick up on the change in (laughs) the type of british the doctor obviously we get the mancunian ninth doctor then we get the the more sort of classic british southern 10th and 11th doctors then we get the scottish 12th and now uh the 13th who's uh uh, from yorkshire um do you pick up on that as an american or or is that something that kind of goes over your head a little bit no, I definitely do, and I think also the show does. Um, yeah, so I suppose the I show openly the, plays with that, doesn't it? Yeah, so it's one of, like, even with, like, the Rose talking about, like, Nine's accent, and it's just, like, I don't know, I don't have the context for, like, what the accent represents or, like, the mm. class associated with it, but I understand that there's a clear, like, the accent says something, right? So I know that Yeah. when, when <laughs> like, when you have different accents being played with and when you have different kind of, like, um... Like everybody's come like Scottish or whatever. Like mm-hmm. it's all 
I don't know. I don't have the specific context of it, but I do know that there's a difference in it. De- and definitely. I know that it changes the way the read of that character. And so it's one of those things like I noticed, but don't have enough information to like be, have like a certain opinions or feelings on, but something that I definitely clocked, especially with like, again, with nine and 10, they make those. Yeah. Why I do you think- have this accent or why you talk like this? And, and they, and they say it enough that I feel like there is a larger thing that I don't have context for as an American, but that obviously people watching out there have like a whole entire, like you hear an accent and this tells a story already, right? Where for me, it's like, I know this is different than the other accent, but I don't know what it means in like the larger cultural landscape. Mm. Well, I, I think for the ninth doctor, it was, it was a particularly big thing. I mean, I'm, mm. I'm from Manchester. I don't really sound like Christopher Eccleston anymore, but I, I used to have an accent a lot more like his um i've lived in london and lived around southerners too long now so i don't really sound like that anymore but i think yeah there are connotations of like people in the north aren't as intelligent aren't as sophisticated Mm -hmm. so it was huge when christopher eccleston said no actually i'm gonna play this incredibly intelligent you know uh scientist adventurer with my natural accent and it really turned some people off i remember being you know nine years old and going to my friend's house and his dad um was like no like he shouldn't be he shouldn't be northern like it doesn't it doesn't fit it doesn't it doesn't sound right it doesn't look right um and there there are those i mean that guy who was saying that was northern so it's an internalized prejudice of oh mm-hmm. we you know we're not clever enough to to be in those roles um so yeah, I think that was actually huge when uh, Christopher Eccleston chose to do that. <laughs> and I, I always think it's such a shame that they didn't let David Tennant be Scottish because I think right. he, I think he acts better in his natural accent. Um, and I think he, I mean, Russell T Davies's excuse for it was we don't. The the quote is we didn't want to be touring the regions, which I find a bit weird because yeah. the the accent <laughs> Ted, Ed David Tennant speaks in is obviously of a region. It's not a regionless accent. It's just a, a very like BBC normalized British accent. So it's not, I don't know. I just find that a weird take from a Welshman personally, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, that's one of those things where like once I saw Tennant outside of the context of the show and I was like, oh wow, he was really like, this is not his accent at no, all. Like, I mean, I didn't, it's no, a really good like, job with that voice though. It's uh, it Yeah, that's one of the things I didn't know. Like I didn't know for a while because again I watched it all so fast and then like I don't think I had saw Tenet outside of it that was the only place I had seen him so that's the mm-hmm. accent I had associated with him and then I heard him talking his real accent and I was like what is this like what and then I like googled like oh no he that's his real accent I was like oh wow like it's just one of the things that was like oh that's an interesting choice they made there like why couldn't he it's like odd. in my mind accents are like <laughs> like if I'm watching something like Harry Potter and I'm like there are different accents on the display granted they kind of keep it fairly neutral but like mm. you know they will put an accent on a character to, to other them which is a thing that definitely it's a similar thing out here we do it with southern accents like there's a southern draw but they will put a certain like extra something mm. to it to kind of give you a certain implication of that character's like intelligence or just like, they, like if it's a white character that talks a certain way it's like your mind automatically talking like oh this is the racist this is like the racist sheriff like right, right, right. Yeah. This person, right? And so, yeah, I figured it was very similar to where, like, if somebody's got it, there's like a whole lot of other implications to that that accent, right? Or, and so, if you don't want, and of course, we know they don't like to engage with identities that much. So, like, <laughs> if you don't want to engage with with that 
asking me the same way you don't want to engage with being a black woman means the same way you don't want to engage with being certain you know anything means yeah i can see why they were like yeah we're gonna make it a neutral accent because then we don't have to like go it's further true. to explain but you know what i think that's a really good illustration of what we were talking about earlier about the need for um people behind the scenes who know what they're talking about in terms of people's in terms of characters identities obviously mm-hmm. um being from scotland is not at all the same as being black but there is a sense that right when um peter capaldi was a scottish doctor who and you've got behind the scenes stephen moffat running the show who is a scotsman of the same age he felt mm. able to play with that stereotype in a way that felt natural in a way that felt well informed and in a way that felt sensitive and right obviously it's on a, on a different scale and in a different way but that's what should be happening with black characters right right and that should be happening across all identities, across the, across I all think. identities for sure yeah, yeah because like russell is really i thought he was a really good character writer and he did a lot for you like you really fell in love with a character in 30 minutes and like there are characters that stick with you that you don't know a thing about but you know who they are based on that the problem is that you know when you have characters you have to spend seasons with or time with then you do need to have they there has to be more to that character like mm-hmm. martha to me I love Martha. I love her family. Martha could have been traded for a white actress and would not change that character at all because no. the black no, her blackness really did dialogue, not inform like her character. About which is not to say yeah. that, yeah. So like, it's not to say that. Oh, you have to have like a discussion about her race, but it just will be different. And any black person watching it will know that it's different. A white person might not because they obviously mm-hmm. they're just seeing a character. They don't realize that this character like there are just these little uh, microaggressions that we do every day, right? Mm-hmm. And like any person of color in like america or the uk are probably have a very shared kind of experience that is not being reflected because those people are not telling the stories and once you have those people telling the stories it might not be a big thing to the larger audience but the people who are being reflected they are going to have a much more like they're going to be much more connected to those characters and to those experiences yeah Uh, it's going to be a more satisfying watch isn't it yeah, like I love her for a lot of reasons, but her being black was just a bonus on top of those reasons mm. because the character is mm. great, right? Like she's the smart, like the kid, Martha doesn't need the doctor. The doctor is just driving her around, right? That's all I think of. Like, <laughs> I love that her off interpretation. And she's yeah, that's doing so true. What she's doing, right? Yeah. And so I love that about her, but that wouldn't have changed at all with the a white just driving actor. her around. I've never looked at that, that way. That's so true. Somebody, then you're not writing for that person's identity, and that's kind of similar mm. with the newer campaigns. Like you can kind of switch them out. There are little more. There are little things like Yaz's family. I feel like it's very much like you can't do that with a white family. You can, but not to that specific degree, right? Right, but, but, it's that, still but not again, enough. in that that the, their first appearance, um, I guess Arachnids in the UK um, mm-hmm. was written by Chris Chibnall, not Vina Patel. But I feel like there was a, a sort of writers' room in Series Eleven, even if it wasn't a full blown writers' room. And Vina Patel has said that he played a significant role in shaping. Yaz's family, and again, that's just another example of somebody who comes from that culture being able to inform right. that that story, right? Yeah, and it's just a sm- and it's not. It, it sounds like we ask for a lot, like we demand. I don't need you. Don't have to be every identity I am, but I need you to have a respect for and appreciation mm. for and a sensitivity to those identities. Because Definitely. it's like I, if I'm a writer and I'm a and I am a female i can i can write a man right i feel very i you know most stuff is centers me and we kind of learn how to write men better than we learn how to write ourselves yeah so i can write a man right and i feel like i could probably write characters that i've spent time with in real life so i've been around like 
LA, I'm, I'm in LA. There are a lot of Latino people, a lot of Mexican people. I feel like I could reasonably include characters that are Latino and do good enough that it doesn't like it's not jarring, right? But if I was, mm. if I was writing about like you know, if I was writing about an Asian American person, and I only have a few friends who are Asian American, I have, and I didn't know them in like our formative years, where like I was there with them through. Uh, I would ask them. I would like, I need you to consult with me, or do you want to write like because I don't want to make assumptions about what their experience was versus somebody who I was like, like grew up with. Like I grew up around a lot of Latino people. That's like black and Latinos are very <laughs> like, we kind of a lot, like a lot of overlap. Yeah. Like we just in LA, it's like, that's what I was around. So like, even though I would, again, I still hire Latino writers. If I was in charge, at least there's, I have an appreciation for them and like understanding and having personal experience where I feel like I could at least write that character without having to, yeah. Google like what something is, or you know what I mean. I mean like, my, I would, my view I is know. that we we want to be in a place where anyone can write anything and anyone can write any character, but it's about doing so in a well informed and sensitive way that incorporates right. the viewpoints and and, and uh, uh, perspectives of you know people of that identity group. Yeah, that's the thing you have to have, and again, that's why I say you need to have people in the room. And that doesn't necessarily mean they have to be writers, but like if you if you have a friend that's a certain identity, your relationship with them informs your inf- like your relationship informs what you know yeah. about that identity, right? And so if you have just have more friends of color, like have more fr- friends who are not white cisgender men, because y'all have a very similar experience, not the same exact experience, but a very similar experience, and y'all will have the same biases, and y'all will have the same blind sight like things that y'all don't see because y'all are or just don't have to, right? But if you have a group of friends that are diverse, and that's in different ways, you know, different race, different uh, genders, different religious mm-hmm. backgrounds, all of those things will inform how you write. And if you if you have those people around you, even if, again, you don't have to have, everybody doesn't have to be an expert on every culture that they want to write. But if you have real experience with those people in real life, it would be much harder for you to accidentally treat them a certain way because it like, there are people to you, right? I think the problem is that on page this person is an Asian person, right? But you don't know an Asian person, so you don't have a connection to that identity other than this person is Asian, right? Mm-hmm. So it's taking it from it being a person that you just made up and you're just trying to like throw attributes at them and give them quirks and qualities as opposed to like you have a person, like a real person in your life you can draw from. You can draw from their family. You can draw from their, because you're around them. It's about exposure and like making a conscious choice to like, I, I need to have friends who are like, different from me and that's different in any kind of way it doesn't have to be just race it could be gender it could be sexual identity it could be you know like neurodivergent like having sure. friends who are disabled all of those things will inform yeah, those ab- absolutely better. everything all, isn't it? all, and it's, all yeah. the people around you are the same that's what you get it's about yeah it's about that consciousness um i said earlier that we were we were at a good segue point into your unpopular opinion and then we completely um, we completely leaped over it and then we arrived somewhere else and I want to bring us back now <laughs> to the idea of Doctor Who in America because your unpopular opinion that you brought to me was dot 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 um, <laughs> no I'm just saying Doctor Who the show does not need to be British and does not have to be so intrinsically tied to like the British identity right so I've had um, a guy called Neil Perryman discuss before on the show that the doctor themselves doesn't need to be British, which I guess we'll come to as well. But you're mm-hmm. also talking about 
the show as a whole. Um, I guess, right? Yeah, I'm saying like the whole, like just the, everything about the show <laughs> does not, we can take it out of the UK, take it out of the European kind mm-hmm. of framework that it has been in for, I'm not going to math, 60 years? Almost, years, yeah, 60? almost. Yeah, so, <laughs> um, yeah, that that's just my, it's kind of a thought I've always had. Um yeah. Because of the fact that the doctor is an alien and therefore should right. not really have an earth identity that's so intrinsically uh, definitely local. not a, like, yeah, definitely local. not a national identity. My I mean my view historically is uh, was always oh well you can change anything about Doctor Who but it's a it's funny because earlier I was saying that 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 it didn't seem British to me but then I also had this sense that oh it is a national institution and you can't muck about yeah. <laughs> with it too much and you can't americanize it and especially to do with right. who was playing the doctor I was like you, uh, you know, I got to a point where I was like, the Doctor could be a man, woman, uh, black, white, whatever, but but always British was kind of my was my uh, <laughs> line with it. And as time has gone on, and I'll be having that conversation with Neil, and kind of as I've had other conversations about Doctor Who and Britishness, I've kind of landed on the idea that actually, you know, why why did I think that? And all of the things that tether doctor who to britain are, are negatives to me now they're, they're things that hold it back they're things that make it colonial and eurocentric and they mm-hmm. narrow its they narrow its worldview rather than widen it and i think if we can yeah if we can widen doctor who's remit then you know why shouldn't we yeah i mean for me i feel like it makes sense in the classic series, for example, for the Doctor to be British, there are a lot of practical reasons why you would keep it British <laughs> because, like, obviously, it's like there's budget, there's like a technology, like they don't have the technology to pretend to be in a place that they're not actually in. You know what I mean? Like just even having access to film in these places, that all makes sense to me. So I feel very much like classic who is firmly British, and that doesn't have to be like undone or touched, right? No. But for me, the modern series has none of those limitations. It never has. We've always had the ability to, if not actually film or like, and I understand budgets also were a factor, but if you're not filming there, sets can be built. I mean, you do it for alien planets. Why can't you do it for like, you know what I mean? Like, why can't you do it for like Mexico? Like as an example, right? Like they, they so rarely try to even put this, the show outside of the UK and like the places that they are familiar with that is like. As a viewer, for me, the doctor is an alien. So the doctor, the fact that he has a favorite place to go to me when he can go anywhere is already weird. Like a place that's, it is not, it's yeah. not like that, like it's not, and then this is no offense, but I will feel the same if it was from Los Angeles. So it's like, this is not, you've been there once, you've been there a thousand times, right? And he's been there, or they've been there <laughs> thousands of times at this point. What is it that draws you back? And of course, it's like, you just love the atmosphere, you love the people, but then, you have to interrogate why you feel like that cannot be replicated in another place. Why can't he feel that same way in, you know, South Africa? Why can't he feel the same way in Brazil? Why can't they feel the same way in Antarctica? Like, there are literally any, like, there are no places that the TARDIS cannot go. You know what I mean? So, for I, me, I it's think like, an interesting, an interesting kind of um, route to this would be to introduce a companion that was not British. If you introduced right. a character that was from elsewhere in the world, then you could end up in, you know, and and the beauty of of the format of Doctor Who is that um, the TARDIS has a translation circuit, so it wouldn't even need to be an English-speaking country. You could have a companion from literally anywhere in the world, and then the Doctor has excuses to visit 
other places in the i don't know I, it just seems obviously yeah. then you run into issues like you've got to start you've got to start checking that stuff for sensitivity in exactly. terms but, yeah, i mean that's I, something like they have discussed to do but yeah they anyway. have to do that anyway that's the problem is that they need to do that regardless and it's yeah. not going it ha- the fact that in british hasn't changed that actually it's made it where they've gotten very complacent and comfortable with like Definitely. oh I, I feel like i can authoritatively say that this is how this is no the problem is that you have to do that regardless if you're already doing it why do you limit yourself to people who are all kind of from the same kind of rough mm-hmm. geographical location like obviously culturally the difference between different countries are there is vast, right? But it's all still very European. It's all very yeah. kind of like, and not even like the whole of Europe, just like very, it's very British, like very, like. Well, it's, it's, Lon- not... it's London mainly. I mean, I, yeah, I, was, I'm saying, I it's like London. It was exciting when we were in series, when we were in series 10 and we were in Bristol, and in series 11, we were in uh, Sheffield. Everyone was losing their minds, but it's right. just a few miles down the road. I think, yeah. yeah and also, like, not like... even just America. <laughs> like, we can talk about, you know, obviously Doctor Who's visited America a fair amount in recent years. Mm-hmm. Um, but, like, why stop there? Like, I think the world's so big and the TARDIS yeah. can go anywhere. Um, I mean, I, I would even say not even, like, don't even come to America. Like, I mean, if you're going to come to America, go to parts of America that, like, are not fully always represented. Don't come to LA. Don't come to New York. That's too, like, that's easy. Like, that's my point is, like, the tar- the TARDIS can go anywhere. The Doctor can go anywhere. Companions can be from anywhere. But somehow we keep ending up with these very Western yeah. stories and places. And I'm like, I literally, I watch a show like this. It's global to me. I feel like, why can we not have like a Japanese companion, right? Because again, mm. there's no, there's technically no language barrier, right? And the Doctor is te- supposed to know everything, so there shouldn't really be a cultural barrier. No, um, there shouldn't I feel be. Like there shouldn't be. Yeah, and so to me, everything is all of the answers as to why they don't do it just come down to like not wanting to do it. It's like I just don't want to do. It. I don't want to have to do research. I don't want to have to cast. I don't want to have to look outside of this kind of small pool that I've already established. That's what it feels like. And so for me, like I have, I have caveats and like things that I I'm, I can see on, but I feel like the show doesn't have to really. It, I'm not saying like, oh, let's just ignore like the whole, it's a whole history and like never have the doctor be in the UK again. But like, my thing is to not, the doctor chooses. That's the thing. The doctor's like, I'm going to go to London. I'm going to go to Cardiff. I'm going to do this. Yeah. That is a choice that they make where there's like, why does the doctor continuously go to these places when they are not limited to those places? Yeah. And so it's like having an interrogation of why the doctor always wants to be <laughs> in these places when there are so, like, Beautiful places and like really interesting places. And then the doctor says all these things about I went to this country or you know, I went to this planet where they did it. I'm like, yeah, they have stuff like that, you know, on earth. <laughs> so if that is something that is interesting to you, why would you go to Europe, pick up like, you know, uh, somebody from London and then take them to that planet when you can literally just go meet somebody who does that on earth? You know what I mean? Like, you For know, sure. like there are, it just is one of those things where the excuses, there are no excuses really. And I feel like, especially now that they have the timeless child canon, which mm. basically says that the doctor has a lot of lives they don't even remember, right? So if they don't remember these lives, they could have lived several lives in any place on Earth, right? If they came to Earth, right? Yeah. They could have lived several lives 
not in it. They could hate it, right? That's like that could be a story point. And the thing is, that makes more storytelling opportunities. Although I guess we we already know that the fugitive doctor spent some of her life in Gloucester. <laughs> right, but that's what I'm saying. Like you could have a, you could have the doctor like yeah, I just the doctor could have been literally never like stepped foot in the UK. They could have never sure. the doctor could have been anywhere. And that my thing is, why do we restrict? to it's not even like one country and it's, it's just like like you can catch the bus between the places that dr who spends time in and it's like, i feel like why <laughs> like i think like, yeah i mean i think there is a there is a sense that sometimes it is a budget budgetary issue in that mm-hmm. in order to accurately represent a place you've got to sometimes do more than just building a set and even building right. sets is incredibly expensive right um but that's there's definitely the option to do it and it has done it in the last few years the thing that bugs me I is a thing that I... um is that andrew ellard has picked up on which is um the story i'm thinking of and that he pointed out in was praxius where the 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 tardis goes to hong kong but it feels like window dressing it's like why is it going to hong kong it's it's like um chris chibnall and the right and the other writers want to gesture at a sense a sense of the series being international but they don't actually want to engage materially with the places that the TARDIS is visiting. They just want a caption to put at the bottom of the screen. Yeah, and that's that is the issue. Because again, there's especially now, like going forward, they don't have the same limitations as they had, like when the series first came back. Like I can understand not spending like that twenty dollar budget on flying people to a different place, right? Like it just it makes sense. But now yeah. we're talking about you have like y'all have explosions, face battles. You can afford to like reasonably recreate it a, a locale, and then also it's like you're you kind of otherize things by thinking like, oh, we can't make this look reason like it would look realistic if you had to hire somebody who's been in these places because a lot yeah. of these places have they're like uh, most big cities kind of have a very similar look because they're international. They're default they they look international so mm-hmm. that they can attract international people. So they are very distinctly not specifically that location like there are a lot of places like that you can easily be like okay well you know we're in tokyo in this office building the office building is going to look very similar to office building in america which is going to look very similar to office building in london you make a choice That's so true. If you really <laughs> if you want to make something you can do it you have to make a choice though you have to say okay i want to be conscious about this and i want to put this in this place and then of course there are going to be smaller things and those are things that people are going to pick up on but those are not going to be things that cost a lot of money that just costs attention like you have to have attention to those yeah. details. Those are things that you gonna want to spend like money and time on. Um, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. It's interesting that like over the last couple of years, when the when the TARDIS has gone to places other than uh, other than Britain, um, it's it's done so in a historical context. You know, I'm thinking of like stories like uh, Demons of the Punjab, Rosa, um, even like Nikola Tesla's Night of Terror, for example, and actually. I, I can count on one hand the times that the, the TARDIS has gone to um, other locations around the world, foreign countries in, you know, uh, Europe, uh, Asia, US, whatever, in the present day. And I think that's right. kind of interesting and not something that I'd ever thought of before. Like, I, the, as soon as I think the TARDIS going abroad, I think to show world history. I don't think to show those places in the present day. Yeah, and that to me is such a failure of imagination of the creators because the doc- yeah. like 
to me, the heart of the show, like what the show was created was like they wanted to be educational. And so they tried to tell those kind of stories within obviously the framework of what they had available to them. So you talk about the Aztecs, they are, that is happening in a back lot. They are not, you know, in South America, mm, right? Mm. But they still had to like, okay, we want to have this story be told. Now, of course, there were problematic parts, like obviously. Um, but the heart of it is wanting to tell stories that are not the things you are going to sit here and learn in like this school, you know, are not going to really get a chance to get, like you might get like a couple paragraphs about this, this, this Mayan civilization, or, you know, Aztec civilization, they did this. And that's the whole thing. The fact that they can spend several episodes kind of fleshing out that story. There's no reason they can't do that nowadays, but in more modern context. Yeah. And I feel like we got to wait. Like, I don't think when people think like, educational, yeah. I don't think it has to be like, this is a story about this thing and I'm no. just trying to, you know, teach you something. It just has to be like, you have enough information on this, on the available, like on it the could screen just, yeah, like that I can learn education. just by the way the characters are moving through this space. And that doesn't have to be like, it doesn't have to be a historical, that could be modern. Like, I don't know a thing about politics. Like I am, it, it takes a lot for me to, I want to say I'm political and I'm political because I have to be like for survival, but I like, I still don't know a lot. I still have to like, anytime there's an issue, I have to like have somebody break it down, parse it for me because a, they don't, it's not, it's taught, but it's taught in the most lazy way possible. And like, you get the most basic ideas about things and you have to kind of really learn how your, that government works for you in your local way. Right. So when I, when it comes to politics, I am, a lot of it is informed or like what I know about it is informed by like, by media, by like what I've watched on TV and I'm watching shows like the West Wing or something like that tells me more than I would have learned in my natural like education. Yeah. And I feel like the fact that I learned so much kind of offhanded just because it's being represented on a show is like Doctor Who has the ability it's to such do an that, op- but like Yeah, such an opportunity globally. that Doctor Who's missing right. really. Right. Like, like, like a, a story like Demons of the Punjab is great, but yeah. what about a story set in india or pakistan in 2021 like wouldn't that be great yeah and it's it's um like there's so many opportunities to be again educational but not in a very direct like i'm trying to teach you something but not just in an overt, showing like, yeah. a different right yeah just showing something that i wouldn't see in my everyday life walking down the street right like i want to learn something or see something that i wouldn't be able to see otherwise and doctor who is like perfectly suited to be a show that does that everywhere it doesn't have to just be like again they don't have to come to america i'm not asking i'm not saying like let's leave the uk then come to america that's not to me that much of a, that wouldn't be enough of a cultural shift to like really change the dynamics i'm i just feel like why do we have to like it's so british centric and even like i don't know i just really wanted to like take advantage of the fact that it, the tardis can go anywhere and literally go places that are outside of the I don't know, a hundred kilometers from like, <laughs> like I feel like all these places are driving. Well, I would consider our driving distance is something like six hours, something six hours or less is considered driving distance. Right. right. So yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Like oh, there's yeah, no the, you, in the UK. There's no you can really drive from one end of the country to the other in not very long. Right. It's like not that. <laughs> yeah. Like you and know, like, like it's funny. It's a bit of a cultural um, gap between us and the Americans, where mm-hmm. for us, like going on a a drive for five hours seems like wow that like that's really long whereas in the u.s i get the impression that you guys are like oh that's just like a day trip (laughs) if i wanted i live in 
uh, LA County. If I wanted to drive to San Francisco, this is the same state. I would take longer than five hours. Um, that's so funny to that's me. That's how, and, but and I always like, <laughs> and I always say this to people. They're like, oh, you know, like we take holidays, we go to these places. I live in California. We have a mountain range. We have the beaches. We have the desert. We have like four different environments in this one state. So like, yeah, I don't travel out of country. <laughs> Or out of state, but I do travel to those different types of locales, and I always like feel the need to tell people that I'm like, yeah, I get it, because like, if you drive for several hours, you may have crossed like maybe into a whole entire country. If I drive for several hours, I might still be in the same county depending on traffic. So, (laughs) (laughs) so yeah, it's one of those weird. But this is the thing. That's why I'm always knowing that about (laughs) like about like the UK. I'm like the fact that I know for a fact you could literally drive to like the next. It doesn't take very long. Yeah, so like, why are we again? Why is he always landing? But also, you don't even have to like the fact that Doctor Who really stopped meaningfully visiting London years ago. It's a scene I've referenced again and again on this podcast. But there's a scene in Face the Raven where they're walking Mm -hmm. around looking for the Trap Street around Mm -hmm. quote unquote London. It's so for anyone who's been to the centre of Cardiff and slash all the centre of London. It is so plainly Cardiff. I cannot even explain to you how plainly that is Cardiff, right? But they are (laughs) saying it's London and the audience is buying it and the audience is suspending their disbelief. And that's, like, always been true. Every UK city, like, obviously they've gone to Sheffield and they've shown details of Sheffield and they're going to go to Liverpool next season as well. But, like, the amount of times that Cardiff has doubled for other places, you know, New York, London, whatever, in Doctor Who... Like people suspend their disbelief, you could do that with other. You can just shoot it in Cardiff and say, "Oh, we're in Berlin yeah. now. We're in right. <laughs> we're in New Zealand. We're in you know, uh, Cape Town. You know, you can do that. I mean, obviously, sometimes exactly. the like you say, the climate means, especially if you're doing outdoor scenes, the climate means you are going to have to go abroad. But they do go abroad. Like they've gone and they've shot in Spain and they've shot in Norway and they've shot in South Africa. Um. So why not, but, you know, why not do those, more stories like that? No, I'm saying they take the time to travel to those places, but largely those places don't inform the story because they're not those they're you're going to South Africa, but that is not South Africa in the story or you're going to. Um, yeah, it's like, funny. The amount of times they went to South Africa over the last two years and they've not had any stories set over there. That's what I mean. Like, that's a yeah. choice they're making from a storytelling perspective because they clearly from a production perspective, can afford to go to South Africa. How much more difficult is it to them set the story there? And that's mm-hmm. what I mean by it being so, like, again, budget I understand and, like, having practical reasons to not do it, I understand. But the problem is that they've already proven that they can do it. <laughs> they can travel abroad. They can go to these places. You just have to have the conscious choice to say, well, let's just write this story here like this is let this place be what it is like let this dub for itself <laughs> like it doesn't have to be a, a alien planet let and that's another thing like why do you feel like these environments are alien like why do you have to go to south africa to you know what i mean like those it's just one mm. of those <laughs> it's just one of those things where you like it yeah. others everything but this is like this is all these are real places that exist on earth that you can use to have those stories being told and you still choose to travel there to then make it like an alien planet and it's like it makes earth you know what this i figured it out it makes earth feel like earth is actually only britain earth is only the uk yeah. that's yeah. what earth doesn't feel like a like it feels like there's the uk and then like wherever i can drive to from the uk that's what it feels like on the show watching it and i think that's my big 
biggest frustration and why I feel like they need to just take a break from using the UK as a backdrop, but also from using it as like where they pull all their companions from because it is so singular and local for a show that's supposed to be that like it's not just even like you can travel to time and space, right? It's like you don't have to be on earth. You don't even have to have an earth companion really. The fact that you, it doesn't even <laughs> like y'all have prosthetics makeup. Like we've seen full prosthetics. Yeah. But you you wouldn't even have to stop stop pooling from UK talent because you could you could get for example um, a, a British Asian actor of you know yes. Bangladeshi Indian Pakistani descent or whatever, and you yes. could say this character is Indian, but it's played by a a British actor who is of that background, and then you right. you know Tardis translation circuit whatever right it's all you know Bob's your uncle. Um, Right. They what about the, the doctor they, though? Like, it. how do you feel about the um, the prospects of the I've doctor always, not so being the British? Doctor, <laughs> the doctor being British is always I understood it because I'm like this is a British show and like that's how they that's how they kind of like keep I don't know that's the continuity I would say the continuity of the doctor as a character is doctor is British like that's how in my mind I think of it. Um, so what I think is that the doctor doesn't need to be British, but I don't mind the doctor being British if <laughs> there are, that's not the only thing that's being represented. The problem for me is that like everything is like all the way, every top to bottom where we land, who all the companions mm-hmm. are British. If the doctor is British, then the doctor is like, okay, well, I'm going to just go ahead over and go pick up a companion from, like, you know what I mean? China, whatever. Like, yeah, that would be fine to me. I think the problem is that it's, it's never that. Um, but uh, yeah, I honestly feel like the doctor should represent more than, <laughs> like just the UK. Like I feel like a doctor with um like an Indian accent would be wonderful, right? Like that mm. landed and that's the mm, accent they cool. picked up because like hey, I just love that accent, right? And then and that, again, like you said, you can still hire a British Indian person. And like like you have done it. They do it <laughs> all the time mm-hmm. for characters mm-hmm. that they're not spending as much time with. But like if it's doable without like I'm not saying like okay now British people shouldn't have jobs that production should move no everything can stay British in terms of like who you cast writers there are black yeah, British yeah. writers there are Indian British writers there are Chinese British writers like that's the thing like Brit like like America Britain is like multiple cultural backgrounds for sure like America is just a place <laughs> that we all live in but like culturally we all come from different places and the UK is very similar but it's still that's not reflected really at all <laughs> in the show. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, again, the newer the newer series is closer. They've definitely, you know, obviously having a black companion, a black male companion, and having you know Yaz and her family being represented. That's obviously better than the opposite of like just not having it. But then there needs to be like they're still very British again for the most part, except for obviously De- demons is a pivotal kind of story. So you can't change that those characters out because that changes that whole entire episode and that whole story. But other than that, like take that that episode out and then you can literally just plop in any person for Yas, Yas for Yas because her identity doesn't inform who she, like who her character is that much, like a little teeny bit, but not really. And they don't engage with it. So my thing is actually take if you're not going, like I don't know, it's just. 
just try. No, try I totally see what you're saying. Try, <laughs> like, try something. If, if you're not gonna, you can still hire British talent. They can still. Yeah, I'm. I'm hearing I a frustration like... that there's so much potential there that's not being mined, <laughs> yeah. right, and that's not being yeah. uh, explored. Right, is that what it is? It's, it's just the lack of like. For me, it's like there's no limit, and the fact that that you literally have such an open sandbox, like this is the biggest sandbox to play in. Like you can literally be anywhere. You don't even have to be. Or again, they can hire a British actor and put them in prosthetics and that person's playing an alien that person is not a british alien right it's just an alien but you don't yeah, even yeah, do that yeah, yeah. like it's so many ways to 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 global like make it more global and make it more universal um and not feel so british without again not changing the history of it like the, the that phone box lands in other places that could be an episode like what is this damn thing what is this i don't know what this is i have no context mm-hmm, for this, mm-hmm. right like that that's a storytelling that storytelling potential they don't engage with, even though like every so often somebody's like, Oh, what's that? They're like people don't notice it. I definitely would notice that. Like I'm just realistically, I'd be like, Why A, why are there phone boxes in two thousand you know what I mean? Like in twenty twenty one, why is there a phone box for one? And then what is it? And that's me American. Drop that somewhere else where they might not even had <laughs> something that looked like a phone box. And then it's like, What is it? Like these are storytelling options that they have. Opportunities, they yeah. Yeah, and so that's what my thing is like. The doctor still feels so very, it's being, it's very British, but it also requires you to be like aware of like British isms, if that makes sense. Like you have to kind of learn, or you learn while watching it. Like uh, you associate it with Britain, like the UK. And I think I think some of that is okay because obviously it's a show made mm-hmm. in Britain, and and there's a sense that you know. Um, naturally, it's going to represent the right. communities in Britain a little more. But I think it there's there are, as you say, so many opportunities to explore there mm-hmm. that are not currently being explored, and so many storytelling options that are not being exploited. And I think that is a shame. Right. Thank you so much for talking to me, um, Nicole. Thank I, I you really for appreciate it. It's been great. I've um this whole time my legs are really hurting because this whole time I've had my legs up on the chair because. About half an hour ago, when we were speaking, a um a tiny little mouse, which has entered my flat, just uh just crawled beneath me, and uh, I'm now terrified that it's going to crawl over my my toes. So um, <laughs> pest control need to be emailed um as soon as I'm off this call. I think. Um, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen I've seen this little guy a couple of times, and he just sneaks out from Aww. the skirting boards. He's so sweet but unfortunately filthy so i can't allow yeah. him to stick around and also I, w- I will be very grossed out if he crawls over my toes um but yes thank you so much <laughs> sorry for that little detour thank you so much for talking to me nicole where can people find um your twitter stuff and importantly your great blog um so you can find me on twitter at black tardis and you can find my blog at um black in space and ti.me so it's black in space and time with a dot mm-hmm. between the T-I and the M-E. Um, I'll stick it all in I the th- description anyway, so people don't need to worry about the spelling. <laughs> yeah, so that's pretty much where I am. I, I'm on other socials too, but I'm very bad at them. So Twitter Twitter, and the blog are the main places. Fantastic. And you can follow me on Twitter at Mulligan underscore Martian. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at GalacticYoYoPod. And you can email me with all of your questions, comments, complaints um, at GalacticYoYoPod at gmail.com. But until next time... Thank you very much, everybody, and bye-bye.